You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. First Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be beginning in verse number 14. So First Corinthians 12. Verse number 14. You read it to yourself as I read it aloud. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 14. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye... Where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary." Thank you. You may be seated. Seated. <laughs> but uh, again, all this, all this talk of the, you know, the coronavirus as it drags on and on and on in pandemics and stuff, it really kind of gets me to think about uh, the human body. And uh, this, this is going to be your warning for my nerd alert. And, and the Mowers know this very well. I love anatomy. I absolutely love it. There's nothing in this world that interests me more than human anatomy. I mean, if you ask me what my favorite thing to study in my free time is, hands down, 100%, all the time, absolutely, every time, human anatomy. It's cool. I like it. Um, I'm, ama- I'm amazed when I, can, when I can go with someone out into nature and we're, and we're walking and we're looking at, you know, mountains or trees or forests or rivers or oceans or whatever, and they're like, wow, look at all the beautiful and, and intricate creation that, that God has given to us. And a, I'm like, of course, I agree with that, but at the same time, I'm kind of sitting there like, really? It kind of took all this for you to think of that? Because I'll tell you what, uh, I don't know about you, but in order for me to admire God's creation, all I got to do is wake up and look in the mirror. Brother Mark, feel free to edit one of those, like, tooth glimmer things, like, ding! <laughs> if you could do that for me, thanks. But uh, seriously, I mean, out of all the things that God created, by far to me, um, the most complex and beautifully crafted thing that there is... Uh, in this world is, is the human body. It's, it's the single most complex engine in existence. And I have martial arts to thank for that, to be honest, because in a, in a strange but I think logical way, my interest in it sparked from the idea that the better you know how something works, the easier you can break it. So, but the more I, the more I studied, the more I came to discover that the coolest thing in the world is me. <laughs> and also all of you and every other human in existence. But uh, I'm allowed to perform experience, experiments on myself, so pardon the bias. But for instance, I mean, if you think about it, with, with the human body, every single person in this room began as two cells, two. And they're like this big. You can't even see that unless you were breaking social distancing rules. I mean, it's little. And then, then you, like, over a process of time, I'm six one. That's an exponential growth. It's incredible, at least to me. And... Plus, the human body, for the most part, it's, it's also self-repairing. I mean, if you injure yourself, in, mo- in most cases, you're going to get better. Um, your muscles get worked, and they tear, and they rebuild themselves bigger and stronger. Your bone can snap completely in half, and yet we have the technology to 
reset it back in place and it fuses itself back together. I mean, even now, pastor is sick, but when he comes back, Miss Aaron will not have had to go to the store and buy replacement parts or buy an entirely new model of pastor. No, it will still be the same human being walking in the door because his body repaired itself. It's cool. And, and all those processes are extremely intricate. You have millions upon millions of these cells in there that are all alive and performing each of these individual little functions and they combine together and they make these tissues that perform specialized functions and then those tissues form together and there are organs and the organs create organ systems and then you put all that in a sack of skin and you get a person. It's awesome. <laughs> so, but, but anyways, all these crazy parts form one single unit of one person. But that's not the only body that God creates. You know, the, the Holy Spirit inspired this passage of Scripture right here to give us a glimpse of the working process of the church body that he created. And the terminology here suggests that something more intricate than a, than a simple group of people. Like I said, it's a body. It's a functioning unit comprised of many of these small, intricate parts. And, and so there's a certain way that things have to work. So this small snippet in Paul's epistle to the Corinthians de deals with the, the functional aspects of a church body. So, so to be rather blunt, uh, to give some background, the Corinthians... They, they were problematic. They had a lot of problems. Um, Paul, uh, where we find in our passage tonight, Paul, Paul wrestles with them throughout the lengths of this epistle with the idea of unity, to act as a single functioning unit, acting together to move forward. And the church's capacity to grow and flourish was directly affected by their ability to work together. So in, in the passage, Paul has just mentioned the diversity of spiritual gifts, as he calls them. Back in verses number four through six, Paul says, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now, the Greek word for gifts is actually a word that we still use today. It's charisma. So, so we often use it in the context of, of describing an individual that, that has the uh, ability to just naturally draw people to them. And people, you, just, you can't help but like them. You can't help but want to follow them. That's the way we use it. They kinda, that comes from the idea that the Greeks used it in a more general sense that someone has been naturally given gifts or talents or has, has a God-given gift or talent. So, so within, the, within the Corinthian church, Paul, Paul gives a list of some of these gifts or some of these God-given talents or, or, or abilities that are represented within the church body. He says, uh, in, starting in verse number eight, you know, the word of wisdom. That would, be, that would be practical life experience, practical life knowledge. You know, a word of knowledge. That's the more, the more intellectual knowledge, the ability to reason things out. That there's faith and there's healing. And the, and the root of that can be both literal and figurative. And I, I'm sure it could have meant either. But, you know, healing, helping a broken person that needs healing. People have a, had a natural talent for that. You know, there was miracles, there was prophecy, there was understanding scripture, there was, there was tongues and, and speaking and understanding different languages. And all of these in some way or another were, were represented within the body of believers at the Corinthian church. But we're introduced to how this created problems within the church in our passage this evening. Beginning in verse number 15, we see the apparent prevailing mindset of the church, if the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And, and if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, is it therefore not of the body? And, and likewise, at verse 21, and the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head unto the feet, I have no need of you. So there, there, there's hopefully, as, as he kind of gives these lists, there's very clear differences between these different 
body, between all the body parts given here, both in form and in function. And the, the two problems presented here that, that you could say is, is the ditch on both sides of the road or, or two sides of the same coin is, is that whether it was from one individual with a particular function of ministry looking at another person and, and saying, my, my function isn't important enough like this individual over here, so I'm just going to take my talent and apply it somewhere else where it seems more important or not at all. Or it could be from an individual looking from a perspective and determining, well, my function is greater and therefore more important than yours, so you might, as not, you might not as well bother. Uh, both, of, both of these attitudes were, were motivated by the Corinthians' pride and, and sense of self-importance. And, and what that mindset did was create a disjointed body whose capacity to thrive was limited. There was a clear need in the Corinthian church for, for people to fulfill the roles they were designed to fill or else the body would come undone. And basically what was going on here is that there were certain roles that were accepted as worthy of recognition and then those that weren't. And what had happened is that each role of ministry had been divided into these, these perceived levels of, of importance, which led to two primary groups of people. That would be the proud and the disgruntled. The former promoted their own function as the most important, and, and the latter ignored their obligation to serve with equal dedication and capacity because they, they didn't think that they were at the same level of importance as the former. And Paul points out in verse number 17... If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? He, he addresses here the fact that if the body were to disregard one of these systems, one of these functions as unimportant, it affects the efficiency of the body as a whole. Uh, when, when a church determines that one particular role is more important than another or that another particular role is not essential because it doesn't perform to the same degree as another one, it puts the functionality, really, of the whole church body at risk there. So in verse number 20, if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. So no matter what, a, a body is going to require each and every one of its individual parts in order to function to the fullest capacity. The same goes for a church. You know, all positions are important and, and need to be filled, yet somehow... I think sometimes we can organize it in our own minds and, and, and give it our own scale of, of what's important versus what's not important, and we, we, we organize that ourselves. And, and that affects our willingness in some ways to, to serve as we ought to. And, and we all do it, I think, to a degree. Even I struggled with it greatly at, at some times. But, but what exactly does this mean? And th this is, again, where I'm going to go into nerd mode here. So, but I, I want to make an example by, by use of an illustration sticking with the, the human body theme of, of the passage, because I love it. Um, but especially because of our medical advancements, we do this same thing I just mentioned, but then subconsciously within ourselves rank different organs that we have on a scale of importance. And so this is going to require some involvement from people in the audience. Feel free to give an answer as I ask some questions. But if I told you, give me some organs that you could not survive without, what would you say? And for those of you that have any idea where this is going, I would ask you to refrain from answering simply because I, I want to make my point. So, but someone give me an organ that you could not survive without. Heart. Okay, yep. It pumps your blood throughout the body to give you oxygen. That sounds, sounds pretty important. What else? You got it. We, I heard a brain. Yeah, you kind of, if you lose that, you kind of die. It controls literally everything. What, what else? Lungs. Okay, lungs. Yeah, you, you got to breathe in order to actually get oxygen into your body. Um, what else? Do what? Liver. liver? Yeah, yeah, I'd say the liver's pretty important. It helps detoxify you and stuff. We also have 
I would say your stomach, would we all agree? I mean, to be actually be able to digest food and, and, and give yourself energy. Uh, we've also got the kidneys. Um, they, they say you can survive without one. You generally have to go through dialysis. You can't survive without both, really, uh, without significant medical help, because it filters, it filters the waste out of your blood. So, so this list that we've come up with, the, the heart, the brain, the, the lungs, the stomach, the kidneys, the liver, we, we, what we've all determined and, and come up with here is what medical world defines as vital organs. You can't survive without them. I think we'd all agree, wouldn't we? But, but let me ask you this. What about your pancreas? Can you survive without your pancreas? I'd say, I'd say out of those in this room, I'd say maybe around half of you know where, it, where the pancreas actually is in your body, what it looks like, and what it does. I mean, it's just a weird, obscure organ. And because, because seriously, what was the last time you consciously thought about your pancreas? Like, man, I need to go see the doctor because I need to make sure that my pancreas is doing okay. I mean, it's just such a, it's such a random thing, isn't it? And, and it's under the category of, of random and often unrecognized organs for most people. And I'd say for those of you in here that maybe do know what a pancreas is, I'd say the odds are is that you or someone close to you has a good chance of having diabetes. So to elaborate, the pancreas has a twofold function in the endocrine, in the endocrine system, which is the, the hormonal system and, and then the digestive system. Where in the, in the former, in the endocrine system, it plays a, it plays a large role in the, in the regulation of blood sugar and, and uh, deposit, in dispensing insulin into your bloodstream as well as various other chemicals to kind of keep that stuff under control. And, and in the latter, in the digestive system, it's, it's connected to the entrance of the small intestine called the duodenum. And basically, it, it secretes a fluid and it contains bicarbonate. It neutralizes the stomach acid going into your intestines in addition to secreting enzymes that help further process the food as it goes through the chain. But, but in spite of all that, medical science has determined that your pancreas is technically a non-vital organ. You can live without it. Or at least you can, I don't know if they can take it out, but at least it can be in there and not work, and supposedly you'll be fine, according to medical science. Granted, you're going to live the rest of your life if you're in that situation with a lot of setbacks, uh, with a lot of complications, but the bottom line is that it is possible to function without it, thanks to the advancements of medical science. But because of those advancements, I, I would say that that right there is why we would often not think about the pancreas under that list of vital organs, and, and therefore we don't consider it a vital organ. But after explaining what it does, doesn't it sound like it kind of should be? I mean, controlling blood sugar levels, um, helping neutralize stomach acid going through it. Just, it sounds like a big deal for something that we really didn't know much about until right now, or at least maybe you did, but I helped you remember. But imagine if we didn't have insulin injections that could be given to us by medical doctors, if we didn't have various procedures that make up for what our body can't do for itself. If that were the case, no, it may not be like losing your heart or your lungs or your brain or, or something like that where you would probably be dead in a matter of minutes, but... I'd say without a pancreas and, and with a lack of all the outside resources, you'd probably die in a couple of days, maybe a couple of weeks. And so just because the pancreas isn't on a list of vital organs, that, that doesn't mean we're prone, that, that we're prone to recognize, doesn't mean that it's, that it's not essential to survive. So just because it often goes unnoticed or just not thought about, doesn't mean we can't simply do without it. So, so same goes really for any other organ in the body, I would, I would say, your lymph nodes, your, your spleen, 
uh, you, you name it. If it's, if it's not possible to simply just function without it normally unless you receive medical help with it. So, so the body is not designed to work that way without all of its functioning parts. We all know that. But, but somehow we sometimes see the church body as the exception to that rule. You know, certain roles are disregarded or unnoticed because we believe as long as we have the vitals, as long as, as long as there's somebody preaching and there's somebody leading music and there's someone up in the sound booth and there's someone, there's someone singing special music, we'll be fine. And in reality, I would say that that's functioning at critical, critical level. So, so referring back to my illustration, my main point tonight is it's actually okay to be a pancreas. I'll let that sink in for a minute. Some of you are looking at me like, uh, what? No, no, I'm serious. It is okay to be a pancreas. So, so I'll explain what I mean. We, we can make a list of, of important organs in our bodies, and, and we missed several, I would say, that are important to live. We, we, only, we only listed a couple. There's a, lot of them, there's a lot of them crammed in there. But simply because our mindset was not in the place where we consciously think about every single one of them. We only think about the ones we consider vital. So likewise, there, there are a lot more ministries within a church body that, that we think of off the top of our head which need to be done. There's a lot more than what we would think of normally. And, and the efficiency of those vital ministries that we do tend to think of, uh, so to speak, is actually affected very greatly by those which at a glance we would consider non-vital. Well, what are some examples? Well, I, I, something like church maintenance sticks out in my mind, um, caring for the appearance of the house of God to our guests. You know, there's actually a lot that can be done in order to keep this facility looking nice. There's a lot that's required to keep this facility looking nice. I mean, we already have some men who come out and they spend several hours every Saturday mowing the property, but what about someone to go behind them and, and trim the areas that they can't get with the mower? I mean, they're already dedicating a lot of time to do that. You know, what about pulling weeds in, in the flower beds out there? Or, or, or even... Uh, making sure that grass isn't growing in the cracks in the sidewalk and in, in the parking lot. You know, we have, we have a cleaner that, who comes out every Wednesday and Saturday to make sure the church is clean, but, but what if that itself could turn into a ministry that people become actively involved in to make sure that at all times the house of God is presentable to people that could be coming in? What about greeting guests who come in for the first time? You know, or, or intentionally serving as in somewhat of an usher capacity. I mean, making sure that each and every new face that comes in receives a warm smile and just a genuine feeling of appreciation that we are glad that you are here today. And, you know, then having someone there to give them information or directions on where they need to go in order, in order to, to fully participate in our services. You know, these are all examples of, of little functions in our mind that could be considered non-vital. Could the church function without them? technically. But what, what, if, what if no one took care of the churchyard? What if, what if no one made sure that there, that there wasn't debris or trash or grass growing up in the parking lot? Well, what if, what if no one greeted guests at the door to, to welcome them to our church? You know, these things that we consider really little could actually have big repercussions on how the system operates as a whole. So think about it from the perspective of the guest, since that was kind of what we, what we mostly hit on, you know, it affects their impression of the church before the vitals actually even come into play. Forbes is a, I believe it's a business magazine, correct me if I'm wrong there, but on their website, there was an article that was published that, that said this, that, that this was the, the main idea of the article. Within the first seven seconds 
of a meeting or interaction, people will have a solid impression of who you are, meaning that it's set in stone in their mind. The first seven seconds, that's like waving hi to somebody. I mean, that, at that point, they have an impression in their mind of who you are, what you do, what you stand for. Like, it's there, and then from that point, you have to work to either change it or reinforce it, depending on how you did. So if we consider small ministries or functions like that, that deal with things like church maintenance, for instance, as, as a little thing or non-vital, then it greatly affects what happens in those first seven seconds. You know, if we miss out on the first seven seconds, it's likely that in the future, when they actually make it to these doors, which takes longer than seven seconds, that they're going to miss out on the vitals that are taking place. You know, they'll, 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 they'll completely ignore it, the preaching, the singing, or even the interaction between, between fellow believers because that first impression in their mind was not solidified by taking care of these little things. It can result in a huge loss that could have been prevented by taking care of those little things. So not every position is big. Not every position is glorious, but every position in the body is essential. The truth, the truth for the Corinthians is still true for us today in that a body of believers is going to grow to its fullest potential when all members work together as a unit by fulfilling their distinct roles. So when the Corinthians determined that a role was unimportant, they determined that it was no use being part of the body, and that greatly affected how they were going to be able to move forward until it was dealt with. So when we today are able to see something that needs to be done, and it's within our power to do so, but we disregard it because we deem it in our mind as perhaps non-vital or non-essential, we, we run the risk of putting ourselves in a position of neglecting our role as a member of this body. It, it impedes the potential for this body as a whole to accomplish more if we allow ourselves to fall into that mindset. And so, so perhaps this evening, you find yourself in, in a number of different positions. I mean, you, you should know, you, maybe you, you know you ought to be doing something, or, or know you ought to be doing more even, but, but you don't know what that is. I mean, we need people who would be, who would be dedicated to teach a Sunday school class we need, and, and work in the junior church program or to be a greeter or to be an usher. We need people to be faithfully involved in, in outreach and, and running a bus ministry to go out and pick people up whenever we resume those again. And even if it seems as though all of the vital roles that we would think of you know, as, as far as, you know, maybe administratively during the service or fulfilling a, a big noticeable role, maybe if it seems as though all of those are taken, you know, is it, is it, it's still important that we, that we be involved however we can, but how do we do that if we're, if we're in that position? Well, well, my suggestion there would be to look at all of the roles that we deem as vital and, and then see what goes on with them. Make an observation, kind of, kind of look at them and determine, okay, here are the individual functions that go into this vital role, and then see what maybe you can do to help to alleviate some of the burden off of someone else's shoulder that says, okay, maybe if they're doing, they're, they're doing this bigger part, then, then maybe they don't have to worry about the, this, this little part. I mean, if, if I know that that pastor needs the order of services up here at the beginning of every service, maybe I could say, well, then rather him you know, having to take time to go print those off and go to, go to the office and chop them up and take them up here so he can go back up and look at his sermon. Maybe I look at that and say, okay, maybe I can just ask him, hey, are those ready to be printed yet? And then I go and I get them and I cut them for him and I bring them up here and give them to whoever needs it so he can finish doing his part in the big things and preaching to us the word of God. I mean, that's, that's kind of an example of some little thing that might escape our attention and we might determine, it's like, ah, it's not important because it's just part of some process. No, it's a very important process. It's all very important. So, 
so what, what are details, what, what are ways to maybe ease some of those burdens on, on other people? Little details like that, I think little details in general can become a ministry of their own. Not everyone is appointed into a position that, of things that are often recognized as, as vital, but we would be mistaken to view everything else as less than such. You know, each person has a role that they, that they should seek to fulfill because it's necessary for the good, for the, good of the body if, if we are all, that we're all a part of. I mean, as I said earlier, I kind of want to reinforce this point. It, it's okay to be a pancreas. It really is. The, the biggest lesson that I've profited from this summer, if I, can, if I can take a little time to explain that to you, has been observing the importance of the little things. I mean, I don't know what you all think I do here, but in reality, my, my job description this summer, I've been paid to be a faithful church member. I have, I've been given the opportunities to say, okay, these, these are some things that need to get taken care of. And while, while maybe I've had some big things given to me here and there as, as a result of just this being my job function, for the most part, I, have, I've been, I, I feel like it's been a great opportunity to just, I go out and I weed the flower beds and I've pulled weeds in, in the parking lot and, and went and trimmed behind those guys and all those examples that I gave simply because like, wow, this really needs to happen. And if it doesn't get done, I'm the first person that has to see that and say, man, why didn't I do that? I mean, it's just been a great opportunity, and, and just the way that, looking back, how, how Pastor has designed the summer for me to kind of learn these lessons, like the, everything that you could be doing here, I could, give you, I could throw a bunch of projects on you and squish you like a bug, but he didn't because he knew that it was important for me to learn the importance of these little things, and I am greatly appreciative for those opportunities. So, so I encourage you all as well to get involved. I mean, the little things are honestly what's the most important in some cases, Paul, what, so, so what if it goes unnoticed even? You know, Paul says in verse number 22, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Everything is important. So, so whatever your role is in this body, I, I encourage you to spend some time tonight praying about it, looking for it, find something. And, and, and even, if, even if something maybe doesn't come across your lap, take some time to actively look for one because there are a ton of little things that we could do in order to help move this church body forward, to see it grow, to see it flourish, to see it prosper. And, and all, it, all it takes is just, is just the determination in your mind, like, I, I don't know in what capacity I can serve. And I may, not, I may never be a heart, I may never be a brain, I may never be a, a liver, I could be a pancreas, maybe. And, and you'll find that, that it's, it's been the most fulfilling thing to me this summer to get to do some of the things that I've done. And I can almost assure you that, that that fulfillment comes from simply just paying attention to the things that are put in front of you and fulfilling the role that's been given to you. So whatever your role is in this body, find it, do it, and love it. Because it's essential and it's important to the life and growth of this body. Please all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We'll take a small moment of time for invitation. I appreciate y'all's attention this evening. And as I said before, maybe take some time this evening as, as the music begins to play and, and maybe ask God, what, what, what exactly, what areas could you be involved in tonight? You know, what, what are some functions that you can perform? Maybe some of, the, some, some of the little things that you notice around, like, you know, you know I've noticed that. Maybe that doesn't get taken care of. And, and I notice it almost every time I walk in, you know. You know, nobody, I wonder why no one really does that. Well, maybe, maybe that's your job. Maybe that's your function. And, and maybe it doesn't come with, with glory, it doesn't come with honor, and it doesn't come with recognition, but that's an essential part of maintaining the, the growth and, and, and forward progress of God's house. So, so tonight, is, tonight as we have an invitation, 
uh, just, just pray and ask the Lord what he would have you do to be involved and what your role in this church body would be. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.